0: Well, it's not too often I get to preach two Sundays in a row. And last week we talked about five of the Old Testament heroes, ending with Joshua. Today we want to talk about David and a couple other guys. But I want to dig a little deeper into David and why he was such a great guy. Such a man after God's own heart. Kim, I want to thank you for a good little... Children's sermons are a real good precursor to what I'm going to talk about. So he almost did the job for me. So. <laughs> king Saul was in charge, and toward the end of, well, just before David becomes king, but he uh, he let his life get all screwed up by. Other outside influences, wives he had, foreign religions, not listening to God. So God decided, I'm done with him. And he sends Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint a new king. And when Samuel got there, he looked at the first son and said, oh, this has got to be the one. But God says in Samuel 16, 6-7, Don't judge on the appearance or the height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not make decisions on the way people do. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the person's thoughts and intentions. Well, that's a little bit scary, because if he looks at us that way, uh, I can tell you I'm not always perfect and he could reject me pretty easily so one has to be watching what he says and does and thinks so that you don't do that after this David was anointed but he wasn't king he was only picked to be David being a shepherd boy was sent by his dad to where his brothers were fighting with Saul against the Philistines. And so when he got there, this big guy named Goliath was taunting the Israeli, Israelite people. Now, Goliath stood over nine feet tall. I mean, I'm pretty big, but I am anywhere close to what he is. And he had to probably be four, five, six hundred pounds of all muscle. Pretty daunting. It says that his spear tip weighed more than David did. And now David's going to seize this guy, and he's, he's David's mad. This guy's making fun of my God. No one should do that. And why are you all just standing around letting him get away with it? Little shepherd boy. Big Goliath. So after a little bit of haggling, King Saul let him go out to fight him. <laughs> and Goliath made fun of him. Will he send the dogs after me? But David picked up a couple small stones, and with his slingshot, he brought Goliath down. And when he was down, he took his sword, took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Did David do that in his own strength? I don't think so. God was with him fighting the battle. After that, David and and Jonathan become best friends. Jonathan is Saul's son, an heir to the throne. And because David has become so famous as he's growing up, being in the king's house, Saul gets jealous. Saul tries many, many times to kill David. Publicly. He didn't care. But David seems to escape. But there was one particular account where David was hiding in a cave and King Saul went in there to relieve himself. And David could have killed Saul. One of his men could have killed him. But David said no. No. Do not kill him, for who can remain blameless after attacking the Lord's anointed one? So through all of this, David is keeping God number one, trying to be the kind God after God's own heart. So after this, David and his men, 600 men strong, moved to the land of the Philistines to avoid having... King Saul hunting for him, and they remained there for a year or, or better. And as the uh, Philistines were about to attack the Israelites again, the Philistines wanted David out of their didn't want him behind them anymore. He could attack us, so David gets kicked out of Philistine out of the Philistine territory. Excuse me. Now Saul and Jonathan are fighting. Saul falls on his own sword to save himself from being captured, and Jonathan dies with him. David mourns the loss of Jonathan, his best friend. Not too long after that, David becomes the king of Judea, one of the 12 tribes. And it takes a little while for other tribes to come along, but the finishing act was in 2 Samuel 2, 12-17. The armies of Judea and Arisa- Israel, the other, other ten tribes, fight against Judea. King David wins. And now he's king over all of the Israelite tribes. Which brings us to one of David's not-so-fine times. David is uh, now the king. He goes up in the top of his palace in the afternoon to sun himself, to sit in the sun. His troops are off fighting. And he sees this beautiful woman, not too far away apparently, bathing. Now, we don't know if this is a one-time deal or whether he's been observing this for many times. We don't know if Bathsheba knows that he's seeing her. So maybe she's a little bit to blame. If she knew he was out there, she probably shouldn't have been bathing. But if he knew she was bathing, he probably shouldn't have been up there. Enough guilt to go around for both. so he has Bathsheba brought to the palace and one thing leads to another and pretty soon she's pregnant her husband's all fighting the war for David and when David gets word of this he's all of a sudden very nervous public shame sits to wait because they all know that Bathsheba's been there and her husband's gone so he tries to get Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife. Didn't work. He was more honorable than David. He wouldn't do it while his men were fighting. Well, he's trying to cover up his sin, right? He, he's multiplying the problems. First of all, he commits adultery. Second of all, he's trying to cover up what he'd done. And when that doesn't work, he orders death of Uriah to look like an accident so now he's went from this man of God with God's own heart and I don't believe this is part of what God wants us to do to murder our friends murder our compatriots he's committed three out of I don't know how many sins but three of the big ones adultery murder cover up And he is in deep trouble with the Lord. So Nathan goes to him. Nathan tells him a story. Let's see. I want to read. 2 Samuel 12, 1-13. So the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle. The poor man had owned nothing but a little lamb he had worked with, Hard to buy. Worked hard to buy. He raised the little lamb and it grew up with his family and children. He ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like, his own, like a baby daughter. One day a, great, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man But instead of killing the lamb from his own fields and flocks for food, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and served it to his guests. Now who's he talking about? David hasn't quite figured it out yet. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay for four lambs and for the to the poor person and for the one he stole for having a party, having no pity. I'm sorry. Nathan said to Daniel, "You are the man." Now you just ordered your own death, right? Should God kill him? By David Sanders, he should have. How would you feel if all of a sudden you realized you were the man that you had messed it up so bad that you really should die? Well, God doesn't kill Nathan or David. But instead, there's a lot of trouble in David's family for the rest of David's life. He has a son that tries to overthrow him. He has a son who gets killed. The grief is never a stranger to David after this. But the thing that I loved about David the most was the minute he realized that he had really messed it up he repented. He changed his whole attitude, got back to God. After that, some of his sons ruled in his place, and each one got progressively worse. Bad leadership usually leads to bad leads to Israel being taken captive to Babylon, which brings us to our next guy, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Now, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for uh, for learning the scripture and the science of the time, and God gave Daniel a special ability to understand the meaning of visions and dreams. Which proves to be pretty handy for them. Now, they were c- captive by the Babylonians, and of course, there's always somebody in governments that's trying to screw over somebody else. It wasn't any different then than it is now. And there's people there who are jealous because these four Jewish guys have got the king's ear. They've risen in the king because they worked hard. They did what they were supposed to. They did the abilities God gave them. And so somebody wants to try and get rid of them. Well, you're supposed to bow down and worship this golden idol. They wouldn't do it. They said if God will protect us, and even if he lets us die, God is still with us. So they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a fiery furnace, seven times hotter than normal, so hot that some of the guards taking them to throw them in perish before they get there. But they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, and oh, King Nebuchadnezzar is watching, and he sees, and they're not just three, but four. And they came out of the fiery furnace not even stinking of smoke, singed or anything. God was with him. Now, you want to read the rest of the story? I'd suggest you go to Daniel and read that. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream writing on the wall. We get that sound? The handwriting's on the wall? And Nobody can interpret what that is. So he gets Daniel to come. Daniel tells him he's going to lose his kingdom, and that very night, the Medes and the Persians take over. And King Darius wasn't any better than Nebuchadnezzar, as far as his people were concerned. He's supposed to bow down too, and David or not, not pray. But Daniel won't quit praying. Not at the appointed times. So they throw him in the lion's den and God keeps the lion's mouth shut. God's there again leading and protecting his people when they're doing what God wants them to do. So what can we learn from these ten different guys? And there are a lot of others that we could talk about and quite a few women, in fact, that we could talk about. Were they all perfect? No. Did they ever make mistakes? Well, David made some pretty big ones. Did they love God more than they love their own lives? I think so. I think so. The key, I think, is gonna be evidenced in our next song but they all trusted God and they obeyed him. This church is dedicated to teaching you to trust Jesus, but it's up to each and every one of us whether we'll obey. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work for you today. We pray, Lord, that The words I've said were the ones you wanted said. We pray, Lord, that we will all hear and understand and work harder each day to try and obey. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.